All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Fair Chase Podcast. We're happy that you're here. We're happy that you're ready to start learning. Before we dive into this episode, you know, we got to talk about a few companies that help make this possible and some of the companies that we back personally because we believe in them. Now, first up is HuntWise. There's a lot of mapping software and apps out there, and the best one that we think is is definitely HuntWise. I mean, they've got so many cool features that some of the other ones don't have, especially this HuntCast that we use every single time before we go out in the woods. Our, I mean, our time is precious. we got to know when's the best time to go out. And instead of searching around on all the, the weather sites and checking out all the details, you can go right to the HuntWise app, put it in your location, and you're getting local wind, local predictions based on where your stands actually are, and it helps you actually choose the best stand so you're not wasting any time and you can get right in there and hunt that buck you're after. Go visit HuntWise.com. So James and I have shot different bows from different manufacturers, and we all, every time we shoot them, we always go back to primes the reason is they're just so shootable and we're just so accurate with them they're super stable and they just came out with the new revix 2 4 and 6 is their brand new bow for 2023 hunting season g5prime.com so next up we got vector arrows this is a company that has just blown me away with their ability to help the customer out. Basically, you don't have to go through and, and find your shaft weight and spine strength charts anymore. You don't gotta deal with any of that. Basically, you go to the website, you put in your draw weight, your draw length, your tip weight, and they basically build the perfect arrow for you. No guessing, no questions. And then you can customize them. They got a bunch of different options. You can shoot the HMR or the ZMR. These things are sweet and they seriously are some of the best arrows in the industry. And they've got a zero failure guarantee. So if you break it or bend it, they're gonna replace it. So if you wanna save yourself 10% on that, head over to Vector Custom Shop and use the code TFC10. There's been a lot of hype around tree saddles. Some of you might be hesitant to even try one. These things are awesome. If you ever wanted to try one, Trophy Line Tree Saddles make the best saddles in the industry. They're super comfortable, they're adjustable, and the new Venatic saddle, we were able to get our hands on it a couple months ago and it just seriously blew us away. So if you want to get into the saddle game, go over to trophyline.com. You can save yourself 10%, use the code TFC10, get into the saddle game, it's gonna change the way you hunt. James and I like to go tromp around on public land and one way we're able to do that is to have good footwear. Uh, we used to lug around in, in rubber boots, and by the end of the day, we'd have sore feet, and it'd be, it'd be a mess. But we finally decided to get some good boots and partnered with Lathrop & Sons. These boots are so nice. They fit your foot perfectly. They've got Synergy foot pads that are made to you know, form around your foot. These guys take the time. There's years and years of research and design and how to create the most comfortable boot. Go check out Lathrop & Sons. Last but not least, Vortex Optics. These guys have some of the best glass in the industry. Binoculars, rangefinders, spotter scopes. We love them. We've got it on our rifles. We use our rangefinder all the time. They also make clothing lines every quarter. James and I are practically wearing a piece of Vortex apparel every day. Everything is high quality. They come out with new items usually every quarter. So spring, summer, winter, fall, they've got new lines and new clothing coming out. Check this stuff out. And if you want to save yourself 20%, head over to Vortex.com, head to the apparel page, and save 20% with TFC20. Hey everybody, this is James from the Fair Chase. Uh, hope you're enjoying our Getting Right for Deer Season series. Um, we've had a lot of fun, uh, but we're taking a pause this week from it. Um, next week, we're going to do something cool with getting your archery gear um, ready. 
But this week, we um, actually had an episode we uh, recorded with Todd, who was on the podcast a few weeks ago. We did a, a hunting story with him. We had trouble uploading it uh, back then. We kind of held on to it, and we're waiting for the right spot. And we thought, hey, we'll take a, a little siesta, a little break from um, our normal scheduled programming and give you just a taste of uh, a story from the past. We like these, this series. We'll probably do it again this offseason, but we wanted to drop this one in now. Um, we hope you enjoy it. We hope you're ready um, and you're finding um, a lot of the information that we've been kind of putting out with people useful. If you have any ideas or thoughts or things you want us to cover, just shoot us a message. A lot of the things we're talking about are questions we get. And so um, we're always happy to kind of answer or touch on topics that you want us to touch on. So hope you enjoyed it so far. I hope you enjoyed this special uh, story with Todd and we're looking forward to, to showing you something pretty cool next week. All right, welcome to another episode of the Fair Chase podcast. Um, we're wrapping up our story series. I've been saying that for a couple of weeks, but um, we keep having guys and, and gals with good stories. So we're going to keep running with it. But we've got some uh, interesting ideas, Jared and I, in the for the future for some of the things we'll be talking about this summer. So stay tuned. But today we have Todd. Todd, thanks for taking the time to uh, join me today. Yeah, man. No, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, we've been we've been in touch um, on and off over the last almost year. Yeah, um, I had reached out to you because uh, I saw seeing you um, you were doing that Hall Road hunt. You did pretty well on it um, a couple of years ago. At, the first year, the first year I killed a nice bull. Yeah, the yeah. second year I didn't. But that's that's what we'll talk about. Okay, later excellent. All right, good, good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, shoot. Do there you, you are. Me? There we go. No, I got you. We okay. edit these. So Tom, yeah. edit this, cut that part out. Uh, <laughs> all right, Todd, tell me a little bit about who you are and, and what you do. Yeah. So uh, career wise, uh, I'm a strength and conditioning coach. So that's what I've done for my entire adult life. And I, uh, so I have a gym here in Northern Virginia. Uh, I'm from Pennsylvania. I grew up hunting in Pennsylvania. And that's kind of like, it's so funny because, you know, I've been out West a handful of times, quite a few times. And everywhere you go, you run into guys from Pennsylvania yeah. that, that hunt. They're everywhere. You know, my buddies tell this story about they went to Colorado one year and every, <laughs> every guy that was hunting this one drainage, they were all from Pennsylvania. And like, they were all from like central Pennsylvania where I'm from. So it's, it's pretty funny. We get around, you know, you guys, you, you know, I, I will see you were Michigan or Pennsylvania guys. Yeah. Um, and we're from Michigan. So that's probably why we see a lot of Michigan guys, but like you PA guys are everywhere. Oh yeah. We're just, we're like the plague sometimes. Right. This, and the, <laughs> the orange army and that like that we talk about in uh, during deer season, we just spread out all over the country too. So, um, but yeah, I, le I, I grew up hunting there, hunting deer and uh, mostly deer and small game. Uh, and then got into strength and conditioning and I've been doing that as a career. And I kind of, I moonlight as a photographer and a writer. And so I, I do, that's, I really, really enjoy that aspect of my career. And it's led me into, um, you know, I, I do work with a, a tier one group of folks that do, uh, they go after a bump in the night type stuff. And then uh, I, I do some writing for free range American and places like that. And then I run a uh, human predator pack mule, which is a, a training, uh, we do training for hunters. We train hunters yeah. to go on adventure hunts to be ready for the back country. Um, and kind of our goal is to 
look at things from the long term, right? It's like, of course, we want to be ready for this hunting season, but let's also think about longevity. And we all want to be able to do this for as long as we possibly can. So our thing is, if you train smarter, you can hunt longer. And so that's our main focus. Yeah, it's funny. Uh, I don't know what age actually this happened to me. You can see I got I, when my beard's longer, you'll see a lot more gray. Uh, sure. But at some point, I started thinking about longevity as opposed to just being able to go out and hunt. It's yeah. like, well, I want to be able to do this when I'm 60. It's like, you know, 70. Uh, and it's not something you think about until like one day. I don't know what age that is. But it's like, how I'm thinking about that. Oh, dude, I don't think it hits you. Honestly, I, I don't think it hits you until your 30s. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you have this vague idea that you get older and stuff when you're younger, but it doesn't feel like a reality. You know what I mean? You still feel invincible. And then you hit your 30s and you're like, oh, no, it's uh, it's going to happen. And if I want to be able to keep doing these things I got to I want to do, I got to do something about it, you know, so. It's a couple injuries, I think, too. Like I, mine sure. was like some kind of knee or ankle or hip or whatever guys have happened to them. I, I was uh, having trouble with my feet for the longest time. Oh, really? Uh, like plantar fasciitis type stuff. And I, you know, and I, I don't know if this is, and you might be able to tell me, but I'm convinced that it went away the moment I started untucking the sheets at the bottom of the bed because my wife puts them real tucked in. And so I feel like I would sleep with my toes pointed straight out. Ah. And the moment I flipped it up, like, I feel like it just went away. It could be. I mean, you think about it, there's, there's people that will actually, I forget what the thing is called, but there's this thing that's like a sock, right? Yeah. And a lot of people will sleep with their feet and ankles in plantar flexion, which is what you're talking about. And think about it almost like if you were to at least even contract your bicep lightly for eight hours, you're going to wake up and it's going to be tight yeah. and it's not going to feel good. So, I mean, that totally makes sense. So I forget what the device is called, but essentially you wear it while you sleep and there's like a strap that comes off your toes and then attaches to the front of your shin to pull your foot into dorsiflexion so that, that those tissues stay long and don't like stay contracted while you sleep. So you could be onto something there. I'm convinced. Well, cause I was trying everything, you know, I tried, I don't know if you've seen these, there's like these socks that separate your toes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. tried those. Actually, I still once in a while throw those on. They hurt after a while. Like oh, I'll sure. wake up in the middle of the night and my feet are like, cause I'll fall asleep obviously with them on. Um, so I tried everything, but I, you know, my wife is skeptical. I think it's cause she hates that. I just, I get in bed yeah. and I'm just like flipping sheets around, you know, I, well, I, I don't mean to, I don't want to start any kind of a marital dispute, but Too I, late. Think, yeah. I, think, <laughs> you're I, in. I think you're on to something, man. Uh, yeah. Cause, and another thing that, that, that we combat all the time is, uh, hunters, folks want to wear like way too stiff of boots and yeah. like, you don't need them. You don't need them. And the best thing that you can do is wear less stiff boots or at least in your shoes, like you want to make your feet as strong as possible. And like, I get it if you're like on a sheep hunt or something like that. And you're almost like creating a stair that gets you up the mountain. Yeah. But in most instances, like the stiff boots are not doing you any favors. See, that's good to know too. Cause I, I was bear hunting last year and I brought some of these, um, uh, ultras, they're ultra boots, like very yeah, flexible wide. Yep. And, um, some, one of my buddies, Joe was like, Oh, you know, those, you need, you need stiff boots. And now he wasn't wrong. Cause like in three days I shredded them. Like they were, I literally threw them in a motel trash can cause they were just shredded. But, um, I feel like there is something to not always having a super flexible, uh, oh, yeah. or super, uh, stiff sole. Durability is one thing of like the actual construction of the shoe, but Last year in Alaska, I was there for three weeks. I hunted moose. I hunted caribou. 
I went up the mountain after black bears and I did it all in uh, vivo barefoot hiking shoes. Oh, you really? Yeah. And you were fine. You didn't, your feet didn't fall off. Fine. Did, you, totally. did you haul anything out? No, there wasn't, there wasn't, but I mean, I've done a lot of rucking with, yeah. with that on my, with, I don't know, 50 pounds on my back and, and no issues at all. So I just, I, I think if you train your feet to be strong enough, then you don't really need them, but I like them, especially if it's not too cold out, or even if it's getting a little cold, I like, uh, shoes and boots with a wide toe box for a couple of reasons. Like first you get to use your whole foot and it makes your foot stronger. And second of all, uh, it keeps your feet warmer. I think constricting your toes in a closed toe box, uh, it doesn't allow the same amount of air to get heated up inside of your shoe. And I think it actually makes your feet cooler. And I, I realized that Turkey hunting, uh, because I was like, I had, uh, Merrill ultralights on yeah, and, and my, I love those shoes for most applications, but my feet got so cold. And then the next day I wore my <laughs> vivos and my feet stayed warm. And really? same socks, same everything. Um, and another thing I like about like those those kind of shoes that are lighter is they're quieter. So especially oh, yeah. early season or, or sometime when you don't really need to worry about keeping your feet super warm, something that allows you to move through the woods or wherever you are more quietly, I think is incredibly advantageous. So I, I don't like the big, heavy, thick boots if you don't need them. I have, speaking of Vivo, um, they have those like croc looking shoes. You know what I'm talking about? They're like, they're basically like Vivo Crocs. Um, and I got the hardest time because I would early season hunt with those on. They're like bright red. Um, but they, I could like, it's like walking around in bare feet. Yeah. You know, and you can go in the water. I would just wear nothing underneath them, just bare feet in those uh, like Croc like shoes. And it worked pretty well. Uh, but it's definitely not like the traditional way of, you know, doing it. No, it really isn't. It really isn't. What they called i'm trying to think of what their name was anyways um so yeah so that's interesting to know and like you know as we're kind of in the off season a lot of the training stuff is top of mind you know yeah. guys getting ready for whatever false you know late summer hunt they have um so i'm sure you've been uh busy with that sort of stuff lately um, oh yeah time. yeah yeah we got i mean we got folks getting ready for elk hunts i got a guy is in new zealand that just killed a tar and a chamois and then he's coming back and he has six weeks and then he's going to the northwest territories for a doll sheep hunt you know it's just he's having he's had, and he killed an audad in texas last year i think and so he's just having a heck of a must be nice that's a sweet a run yeah. yeah he's doing pretty good and then uh yeah so we got and we got we've been really getting into upland too because upland and and uh guys and gals going out west to get after the chuckers and the mountain quail like you got to be in shape if you want to do that stuff, yeah. man. So we're, we cover really, a lot of ground, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Our, my, my assistant coach, Jordan, he's really big into Upland and, and everything like that. So we've been getting into that to, to help folks a lot. And it's just, you want to walk all day in the mountains, man, you got to be ready for it. See, I, I feel like, um, the other one that people don't realize, well, uh, maybe not everybody does this way, but like Turkey hunting. Yeah. I walk, I was, I checked back on my average because we do a lot of it's all public land where we're going after them. And you're just like, you obviously try to get them off the roost in the morning, but if you don't, you're just walking around. So I was averaging seven miles, yeah. uh, turkey hunting every single day. That was my average, uh, which is insane. Not, not deer, deer hunting isn't like that, you know? Yeah. The, uh, I love, see, that's the way that, uh, I've learned to hunt turkey. So I didn't start hunting turkey. So as an adult and me, me too. My buddy Brett, uh, he got me into it and he's a big running gunner. 
Like we, we move, we try to get on birds. If we don't kill them off the roost, uh, we don't use decoys. We try to use terrain and call and, and all that kind of stuff. So I dig it, man. I love it. The, the running gun and moving around all day, trying to get birds, man. It's, it's so fun. It's like, yeah, you just almost can't stop. Like as I, like the day goes on, I'm like, I have to, I have to poop. I'm hungry, <laughs> but I just want to keep going. You know, yeah. I'll be fine. So that's cool. Um, so, you know, as, as we had talked about ahead of time, this is uh, a, a hunting story series. So, um, you know, what we're doing is we're talking about one of the things that we like most about hunting, which is the stories that come out of it. Um, yeah. Things that I love to tell, I love to listen to. And so, you know, you've gone and hunted all over the place. You've trained people that have done a lot of cool things. Um, when you think of, you know, um, a great hunting story that at least you've been a part of, what comes to mind? Well, I think, you know, I, I remember when I was talking with um, one of my editors at Free Range American, Mike Shea, who's a good dude. He, uh, we were talking about maybe doing this one article and he said, he's like, all I ask is like, it's not a, hey, we went there and then we killed the thing type of story. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so when I think about it, it's just like any other good story. There comes to this pivotal point where you make a decision or you went through something harrowing to get to where you are or whatever it might be. And so I think the makeup is, is like, it's, we all want to still see that kind of like five act kind of uh, yeah. setup of like, you know, I thought this, but this was reality. Do I want to change? Do I want to do what happened? You know? And so I think that that's, it's just the makeup of a good story that we want yeah. to see, you know? And so, man, I thought a lot about which one I would talk about. Cause there's like, I had, I was like, man, should I tell them about antelope in wyoming in 2019 should we talk about elk from 2021 um and i just decided that i think the best story to tell is the uh, the 2021 hall road trip that i took and so i went up with uh steve opat who's a guy that i went up with to alaska a handful of times i think four times he lives up there and then that year, this guy, uh, he, who I've since become pretty good friends with, Elias Carlson, came along. And Elias and Steve wrote like a two-part uh, article for Modern Huntsman about the trip. And so Elias is this world-class photographer and designer. And so we have him along on the trip. And Elias had never been on a big game hunt before in his life. So his first experience <laughs> is to go to... Um, Alaska. And he'd always dreamed of going to Alaska. And so we have this, you know, you've gone up the the Hall Road, this epic journey of like a 500 mile drive up the, well, you came from Anchorage. So you did like a thousand mile it drive. It took forever to get there. Yeah. You yeah. did like a thousand mile drive. And so we have this, this whole road trip set up of, of, of going, you know, and so we set off and at one point, this is going to be, this will be pivotal. We stopped and got water at a stream and okay. uh, just, no, no. I, and then I have a picture of it and I, I, I think this is the moment, but anyway, so we get, we start getting above, like up above the Brooks range yep. and we start seeing caribou everywhere, you know, and you, pass the, you're over the Attigan pass over Attigan pass. Bro, there's caribou everywhere. And we have this spot we're rifle hunting and we have this spot where it's like, just inside the rifle corridor. Um, I don't really disclose how we got there because it's just Fair one enough. of those things that it's it, in fairness to the other people that were involved. I don't really tell how we got there, but, and it's this instance where we're right on the border of the rifle corridor. So in front of us, we can't shoot. 
but behind <laughs> us, we can. Yeah. And so the whole, I mean, for four or five days, we're just seeing caribou roll through, right? So groups of them, 20, 30, some just cows and calves, but then there's this old big gray bull, just the grayest caribou I've ever seen in my life. Like I started calling him the ghost cool. and I just fell in love with this caribou. And I would, uh, I would sit there and watch him most of the day and just hope that like, is he going to close the gap? And like, you know, you're looking through a spotting scope and you like conceptualize intellectually that he's far away, Yeah. but in, in your mind and in your soul, you're like, I can get there. He's like, not he's that gonna, far. He's yeah. going to come, but really he's, he's far. He's like a mile, you know? And so I just sat and watched him for days, but our priority was we got to get, we got to get Elias a caribou, you know? Right. And so we're sitting there, we're watching caribou go across. We've had some good weather days. Then we have a bad weather day. And then I, before I went, had been dealing with a back injury. I don't know what happened, but I had this lower back freak out. And it really, it got to the point where I was terrified. Like I was scared because I couldn't stand up. Like I couldn't lay down. I could, I was like locked in place and I've never experienced anything like that in my life. Luckily, um, I have friends that are in the medical field and I got, <laughs> I got some muscle relaxers that got me through it. And so I've been dealing with, I'm watching this bull. We know we got to get Elias a bull. I feel like I can't move right now. And all of the caribou seem to see, stay out in this place that we called the hay field. Cause it was just like this big flat swamp <laughs> that just looked like it was hay growing up, yeah. you know? And so it's this like combination of just like longing and waiting and like, will they come over here? Yeah. Do we need to go do something else? Like, and are you just, at your camp this whole time? The camp. We hunted yep. from the camp. Yeah. Yep. And so that's, that's one of the, the, the brilliant things. And, and I think smartest things that you can do in Alaska when you're hunting caribou or you're hunting moose is like camp where you're going to hunt, you know? Yeah. So you can see. And, um, so we're just watching all this. And finally these caribou cross the, the river. And we're like, oh, here's our chance. And so we're set up and we're waiting and they come through and it's just like, it doesn't work out. There's not the bull to kill. And what I loved uh, about Elias is he, 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 we had talked leading up to the hunt all summer, like about knowing when to shoot, which one's it going to be, you know, which one's it going to be. And so they crossed through and it didn't work out. And then, so we go on uh, kind of like this big nature hike. We go up this one drainage the whole way back. And you know how the, like the creeks that come down into the rivers there. And it's just like, everything seems flat, but these, these, uh, there's these creeks that flow down and that's where like the actual topography is. And so we sneak up this, this drainage and there's just this, this lone bull, this lone young bull just at the top of the drainage, maybe, I don't know, 120 yards out. And he sees us and Elias is looking through the scope, right. They're looking at him and we're like, he's like, I don't know. I think he looks pretty young. I don't know if we want to do this. Yeah. And I was like, well, why don't we get set up? Why don't we get set up? Why don't we practice? Why don't we see, um, you know, at least be ready for when a bull comes. Yeah. And so we get set up and he, he, I, from what I remember, he chamber, he, he practices, he dry fires a few times. He gets it up. He knows what it feels like to be in that situation. And like, okay, here's the, here are my steps here. What I'm going to walk through to pull the trigger. And he kept looking, he kept looking. He's like, it's not him. 
it's not him. I don't want to do it. And we're like, okay. And so Steve was like, I got to do something. And so Steve had like a 4570 lever gun. Yeah. And he just goes sprinting up the drainage and the bull's up on the top. So he's kind of hidden. And so he just goes sprinting up there and he pops up. And there's this image of it. God, I think it's in Modern Huntsman of Steve standing there with his 4570 and this bull looking at him and Steve uh, holding the gun. And I didn't know what he was going to do at that point. Yeah. I was like, I think Steve just, he wants to kill a bull with his lever gun because he's never done it. Yeah. And so I thought that's what he was going to do. And he just goes up and we're probably a hundred yards away. And I swear to God, I heard it go click. And he just went up and went bang. He just wanted to see that he could do it, you know? And so he runs the whole way up on this young bull, doesn't kill him. And we come back and we kind of regroup and we kind of walk the river and glass and look, we look at bear excavations. We kind of take it all in. We go back that night and, and we do some fishing and we caught a bunch of grayling and we made them for our dinner. And that next day, um, we kind of wander and we run into a group of ptarmigan. And so the year before we had seen ptarmigan everywhere yeah. and we were like, man, that would have been a really good food source had we had something to right. take care of it. And so I brought a 22 pistol along with me. This I year. saw that picture, the orange one, right? Yeah. I brought, yeah. I got a Mark five, a Ruger Mark five. And so I wiped out half of a covey of <laughs> 22 pistol and we, we got him back and, and we were like, man, we should probably go find the rest of them. We're like, I killed enough for us to have a good dinner. Yeah. And we're like, you know what? We should probably go kill the rest of them. Why don't we just kill them? You know? Mm-hmm. And so we went, um, cause the ptarmigan limits like 50 a day. Oh yeah. Tons. And so we went back and looking for them and we never found them. Um, so we come back and we're all in this mood. We're like, there's tension, you know, it's like, we've been here for weeks. Should we leave? Should we go to another spot? Should we do this? And then we wake up the next morning and there's a group of caribou back behind camp. And we are like, they were moving as it was oriented behind us from left to right at a good clip. And mind you, I'm still dealing with this back. Yeah. And so we, we were like, we have to go after them. And so I was like, I guess I got to deal with this. And so I grabbed my rifle. We grabbed, we were light. And so we dropped down in the river and like, I don't know. It was, it was awesome because as, as I started going, as we started moving, I don't know, something about moving fast and like using my hips, my back pain went away. Uh, loosened up or something. And just We just were flying. Okay. And so we dropped down and we swing way out in front of these caribou and we set up once. And then we realize, okay, we're not at the right angle. We're, they're not going to cross close enough. And then we get set up again. And then this group of, I want to say it was like five or six cows and three bulls. You know, none of the bulls were old, but there were definitely the one that Elias ended up killing was a shooter. Yeah. And so we get set up. <clears throat> Elias is set up. He's the shooter, first shooter, right? And so I'm ranging for him. Bull walks into 70 yards and Elias has his, uh, father-in-law's rifle um i don't i think it was an i think it was a um remington 700 this old rifle and his his uh his father-in-law had recently died and so it was meaningful he took this rifle to alaska and killed his first big game animal with his father-in-law's rifle which, which was really really cool and so he he shoots he puts a great shot on this bull and it drops 
and you know how caribou are. They're curious. There's just a loud noise. So they stood there and there was this other bull. And I, and I had been thinking that whole year, you know, the year before I killed a nice one, it's like, what do I want from this? Right. And is, I, I hate one of the, one of my flaws is like, I hate going home without meat. Yeah. And so totally. like sometimes I will make a decision just based on like, I want, I want meat. I'm going to kill something. And so I get set up on this, um, on this other bull. And it was about the same size and not nearly as big as the bull that I had killed the year before. And I was really going through the dilemma in my head. <laughs> like, I, I can't remember if it was Steve or Elias that was ranging for me, but they're like 70 yards. It walks away hundred yards. And I'm just looking at it 170. And eventually it got to 200, which is like, well, within my range. with oh, the yeah. And I was like, I'm not going to kill him. And it was just one of those instances where it's like, you kind of learn about yourself, right? You learn right. a little bit about your restraint. Um, yeah. What are you doing this for? And it just, it was one of those things where it just didn't sit right. Like I, that, I didn't want to kill that bull. It yeah. just wasn't it. And it's like, I think in a lot of circumstances, you know, it's not cheap to go to Alaska. It's not, uh, you spend, a week just kind of getting your ass kicked and and all the things that lead up to that and you come to this moment where it's like you can close it yeah you can do what you came here to do but i just think there's something to making sure that you're behind all of it when you squeeze that trigger when you press yeah. the trigger down you know and i wasn't there and to this day i'm glad that i didn't do it yeah i'm glad i've never i've never i've done i had that I, you know what we'll be telling a very Similar story here fairly soon with a film we're coming out with that, about a bear hunt. That oh, same awesome. same type of thing happened where, you know, um, you, you have to not do something that you really are like back and forth on. And to your point, and I think you're right in it, it's I've never regretted it. No, I've never been like, oh, I should have shot that thing. It's always like, no, that was that was a good thing to do. You yeah. you don't feel it. You know, that's it's not right is the best way. Uh, I've been able to describe it just wasn't right. It wasn't yeah. the right thing, you know, and it, it, it's an, a power and, it, and it's a powerful experience in this, in just a different way, you know, yeah. like it's, it's one of those things where you should, it shouldn't feel like if it's going to feel wrong when you do it. it I mean, of course, time kind of heals things. You maybe, sure. don't, but it's, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's likely not going to feel good later. Yeah. And you're going to look back on that and there's going to be a tarnish on it or it's just learning. Like you, you know, more of why you're there you know and i always i always think that with like guys who like poach deer or something yeah. i'm always like dude that that buck that you really wanted to shoot so bad that you do it illegally is hanging on your wall and you're gonna you can't tell me that it's not eating at your conscience a little bit oh for sure and the thing is you can't unless unless you run with a group of criminals like you can't tell the story no and exactly one, and that's one of the reasons that we do this is because man we love the lore of it we love telling the story we love hearing other people's stories yeah and if it feels gross, man, like you just can't tell the story. I don't want to, I want that looking at me on the wall, you know, <laughs> I don't yeah, want to just, be reminded of that. Exactly. It's a reminder of one of your character flaws, you know, yeah. and, and, and not that we shouldn't be honest to ourselves about where, where we have flaws, but it's like, man, that's just a big sore spot in it. But, yeah. and so I, I'm, I've, I've always been glad that I didn't pull the trigger, but, um, you know, to but, end the trip, to end the trip, we, uh, <laughs> we dropped stock. Steve was a, a medevac nurse. So he was stationed in, um, in, in dead horse there. And so yeah. 
uh, Elias and I drove the hall road back ourselves. And the plan was to, um, the plan was to alternate. And so we get going and he takes the first little bit and then I jump in and I'm going to drive us up through Attigan pass. Mm -hmm. And so there's a snowstorm. Of course. Yeah. And dude, like, I don't think I've ever white knuckled a steering wheel quite like I did that day. Like it really? was, it was gnarly. Like it wasn't a crazy amount of snow yet, but it was blowing hard. It was tough to see. And you know what Attigan Pass oh, is like. It's dicey. It feels dicey up there. It's, it I was mean, snowing it's, so crazy when I was going through. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's not crazy scary when it's not snowing, but it's like, it's a place where you got to pay attention when yeah. you're driving, you know? And so throw the snow on top of that. And we get to the other side of the pass and we come down and it's not snowing anymore. And so I get out and I'm like, dude, I need a, I need a minute. I just want to take a minute and get my head. <laughs> and so I open the door. And as soon as I open the door to the van, I get hit with a chill. And I'm like, oh no, I could not get warm. Oh no. <laughs> could not get warm. And then after that, um, I like started to get sick in my stomach. And like, I started to feel like I need to throw up. I started oh, to feel no. like I needed to. And so like, I'm just praying that we get to cold foot so we can sleep somewhere, you know? Yeah. And so this whole time I'm like, my stomach's getting me. I'm exhausted. I can't pay attention. We get to cold foot. We get a room. Um, but dude, I'm like, it's, it's coming out both ends. You know? Yeah. This is going to get ugly fast. Real it's mess. Coming out both ends. And so <laughs> I, Dude, I, we made it back to Fairbanks and I felt so bad because the whole time, like Elias is just, is driving this whole long ass trip and I'm just a zombie. I yeah, can't, of course we get to Fairbanks. Things don't get any better. Like it's to the point where I'm just like all the time I get Elias to the airport the next day. I got to run around town, take care of some errands and clean things up. But then I have to get on a flight to Chicago and this whole time. I was like, you know what I'm going to do, man? I'm going to buy myself a first class ticket from Fairbanks to Chicago Ooh, on yeah. the red eye so I can sleep. Yeah. Every 30 minutes, like throughout the night, I had to get up and go to the bathroom from the whole, what, it's typically like a seven to nine hour flight yeah. from, from, from Fairbanks to Chicago to the point where like the one flight attendant was like, hey man, are, are you okay? And I was like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wish. I, I'm very much not okay. Yeah, but. <laughs> this is not the way I wanted it to go. <laughs> uh, but this is what I'm dealing with right now. And so I got back and I, I just had, I had, I had, I can't say giardiasis or giard, I had giardia, I had a giardia infection from drinking oh, you did. tainted water. And, and so it took I, that long to kind of set in. It takes like, it takes like almost a week. Really? I did not know. I thought, yeah. I thought you get giardia and it's like hours and you're done. No, it takes a while to kick in, but when it gets you, it is not pleasant. So what I have, the, the, since I've gone into the backcountry, like when I went to Alaska last year and all these things, dude, there is either chlorine in my water or I am filtering the absolute bejesus out yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. That shit sucks so bad. <laughs> well, I got those, uh, that SteriPen that yeah. I use. Yeah, yeah. But I'll just say, I do it like two or three times as much as you're supposed to because there's Absolutely. something about that light that I'm just like, I don't know. I know it works, but it doesn't feel like it should work, you know? Yeah, dude. Yeah, I use one of the the catadine pump filters, or yeah, yeah. just like, or just like straight chlorine. Yeah, just yeah. have some chlorine in and just deal just, with it. I think it's like eight drops per quart or something like that. I don't remember exactly the ratio off the top of my head, but that that'll save you a lot of a lot of trouble. <laughs> a lot of well, because it's either you you get the you know the liquids as you could maybe call it, yeah. or it's like 
sometimes the pain of it is just like filtering takes forever and oh, so it does and they're just like pumping through trying to get a little bag so i mean yeah i've, I've not found like a water I, I think my favorite still is probably the steri pen but i can't say that i found like a great thing that i love yeah i mean uh one of those dropper bottles about that size really? of chlorine will get you through get you through a couple few weeks without a problem you know and you just drop it in, shake it up, and I think it takes like 10, 15 minutes. Aquamira. Yeah. I'm looking it up right now. Yeah, that's uh does it taste weird? I've not tried this yet. It it tastes like drinking tap water at home. Okay. Yeah. There's plenty of chlorine in that water. Too, There's so. plenty of chlorine in that. So yeah. <laughs> so but I would, yeah. I that's like the good of of realizing like, hey, I'm I I have a very good level of restraint when I'm hunting was tempered by the fact that I gave myself uh, Giardia. <laughs> I, I will say, you know, it does suck when those kind of things happen. Yeah. But also, it always does make a good story. And I always think back whenever I have like a disaster moment like that, it's always like, at least it's like enjoyable to tell in the future. Oh, you know dude, what I mean? Yeah. It's funny now. It's yeah, funny, it's funny now. 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 <laughs> yeah. But I just, I also felt bad because I was like the worst road trip partner in history. Cause I was yeah. just dead. Like he's trying to talk to me. We're trying to have like this, you know, a, a good conversation and I can, I can participate in about a quarter of it, you know, right. It's just, you just feel like a bum. Yeah. Been there. Yeah. I've definitely been there. I, I was, uh, just makes me think I was, I did a road trip with a buddy in college down to Florida on the way we stopped at a, a waffle house and, uh, loaded up and like, it was my, you know, he was driving and it was my turn and I had the same situation. I'm like, I don't know what I ate the waffle house. He drove like 20 hours. And of course it was like a snow, the same type of deal. I'm like, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm in the back comatose. You're on your own, dude. The waffle house is always a dicey decision yeah it's you, never you might get some tainted food or you might get yourself in handcuffs you know that's right fist yeah. fight, you know so it's like it's not the place to, generally place doesn't end well yeah, yeah but when you're in college you're like oh man waffle house that's gonna be like See? five bucks let's yeah, go that's right yeah. so that's on basically free calories <laughs> yeah exactly right man exactly right yeah well hey i i appreciate you coming on um it's always good to talk the hall road like i um you know i've told the story in this podcast before but it's like it is, it's stuck with me now because of how my, my last trip went there where I had some bow issues and, and missed the caribou four times on my birthday. I set the record for most misses I've ever been on in a hunt. <laughs> uh, so I, I would like to go, I'm definitely going back. Um, so yeah. we're, we're planning that, but it's good to always hear other guys doing it. You've gone now twice. You going again soon or? I don't, I'll go again for sure. There are, there are some of my buddies that I want to take up and see it because it's just, I think the the trip alone, the drive from from Fairbanks up north, and just seeing how the topography changes, and seeing all the different uh, the different you know you go through cold foot, and it feels like you know the normal central Alaska. Then you get up, and you kind of feel like you're uh, almost in like Wyoming or something, yeah. like a high plains type of deal. And then you get on the other side of Attigan Pass, and you see the tundra, and you're like. It takes a while to settle into it, I think. It definitely. You're like, you're like, this is just desolation. This is awful. And then after you sit there for a while and you can look closer and you really see it and you're like, this place is pretty beautiful. Like, it doesn't seem like there's anything here. It doesn't seem like there's life, but then you really settle into it and you really start to pay attention. And it's just, there's, you find beauty everywhere, you know? Oh, well, and I just kept thinking like, how weird is it? This water has been in this puddle for like, a long time these Very this is like a, an old place it just yeah. feels old 
It is, man. It is. And it's, it's, uh, it is, I don't know. I think it's just one of those places where you don't get it immediately, you know, but if you mm-hmm. sit there for a few days and you really look at it, you start to get it, you know, you see any grizzly one, okay. just one. And, and Jesus, I've spent like 21 or 22 days up yeah. on the North slope. And I've seen one. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't see any when I was there. Do you find uh, their excavations or anything? I didn't. Um, although I wouldn't have known what I was looking at if I did find it. <laughs> yeah. You can tell you, you would know you'd be like, oh, ripped up. Yeah. You I didn't know. spend too much time. I was South and there wasn't a lot of, like, I wasn't around, uh, rivers too much, a little bit. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and you know, I know like a place, uh, I had run into a guy who had seen 17 different grizzly bears when we were up there. He had oh, just really? kind of run into them and I'm like, well, I'll probably avoid that area, you know? Yeah. I, I mean the the dense. I've never, I've never like been worried about it. Uh, I mean we, obviously, honestly, our camp probably should have been a little cleaner than it was. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> but it was never a concern because their density is so low. But just the thing about those barren ground grizzlies is like, they're hungry. <laughs> yeah, they're they're coming to eat. <laughs> they're yeah. hungry. So I would I would even if you're bow hunting, man, like I take. No matter what I was doing, I had my Glock on me the whole time, yep. even up there. So I was supposed to. I kept forgetting it. I kept setting, like leaving it, and I'd be like, I'd be like two hours gone, and I'd be like, oh, well, I get it. Better keep my head on a swivel, you know, because yeah. something well, that's, pops up. I'm not ready. That's the one place that you can get away with it, kind of, because you can see so far, you yeah. know. But but it's still, it's like, man, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't play with it. We saw wolf tracks up there. But we didn't see any wolves. But we almost hit a wolf in the van last year. Uh, did you really? By, yeah, down by the Forty Mile River. We almost hit okay. A wolf. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. cool. It was That's cool. Really cool. And it just like gave us this one moment where it just stood in the road and looked at us like after we drove past. And I was just like dumbfounded. I had my camera in my hand. I was like, I and and uh, then Steve asked me, "Well, did you get any pictures?" I was like, "No, I just looked at it." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I definitely yeah. know how that goes. Yeah, yeah. So. But that was cool. Well, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and actually, people should you should you want to share um, where people can find more information about you, some of the the oh sure off season training stuff you do and 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 stuff like that. Yeah. So, Instagram, my personal is uh, Todd underscore Bumgardner, and then Human Predator Pack Mule. That's all one. And then our our website is humanpredatorpackmule.com. Um, feel free to DM me. Check out the website. Shoot us a message there. The the name sticks in my head very easily. Human yeah. predator pack mule. It's very catchy for for whatever reason. Yeah, we can uh, maybe some other time we can discuss how I came up with that. Well, yeah, that's we'll we'll talk after the podcast. I've I've got some ideas for that too. So okay, cool. Well, thank you for for doing this. Everybody, go check them out. Um, check us out uh, next week. We've got some uh, pretty cool stuff in store. So appreciate y'all listening. Right. Thanks, man. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode. We really do appreciate it. If you want to go on to any kind of social media platform, give us a like, share, subscribe. You know, it really help us out. Keeps the train rolling. And if you guys really like what you're listening here, give us a five-star Either way, if, even if you don't like it. Even if you don't like review. it, five stars. That'd helps cool. everyone out. We'll see you out there.